Omis, we have a very special interview of the week this week. We have the founders of Klimadow who just had an awesome, successful launch, um, raising a massive amount of money uh, in order to carry out their mission, which is to solve climate change. Uh, how are you going, guys? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having us. Hello, hello. Good morning. We've got Oxlos. Archimedes and Dionysus, and as ever with me is Dropkick Darren. How are you going, Dropkick Darren? I'm good. I've got my porridge. I've got my tea. I'm ready to dive into the black hole of carbon credits. <laughs> awesome. Um, so I think most Omis would know by now that um, all all three of these. I, uh, should we call you co-founders? Is that is that I've just sort of assumed that you are the coach. Yeah, that's a, yeah, we're we're one of we're three of twelve. So there's twelve yeah. of us. Oh, okay, three of. We're just like the most public facing ones. I oh, guess. yeah, some anons in the background, no doubt. Um, so uh, yeah, I know um, from the I listened to the Bankless podcast you were on, and um, David Hoffman kind of. <laughs> I thought it was very funny. He said like. Oh, you guys like forked Erm and now you're doing something like really cool with it. I don't really know what Olympus is, but let's talk about your protocol. And you guys were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, David Hoffman. Ohm <laughs> is like our home. Um <laughs> which is very funny, I thought. Um, so yeah, maybe um we can talk about like your backgrounds kind of your journey to crypto maybe Dionysus we can start with you and just whatever you're willing to share I know we're synonymous here so sure yeah thank you uh glad to start off there um I would say my journey into crypto probably started around uh 2014 or so um at the time I actually got into to mining script-based currencies um Started with Dogecoin, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that was the entrance to crypto for quite a few people back in the day. So that was my gateway drug. Um, and, yeah, essentially just kind of dove in from there. Um, you know, back then there wasn't too much you could do with crypto besides speculation or mining it or, you know, something like that. But, um, you know, of course, over the years, what we've seen built, I think, you know, first with Ethereum, really, this whole decentralized finance uh, infrastructure and all these different dApps, you know, after we got through the whole ICO craze and everything, I think really expanded my eyes to what was possible with it. Um, you know, and concurrently during that, I was I was going further into uh, my studies at the time of environmental science, and uh, you know, eventually worked worked my way through carbon accounting and so on. And um, yeah, you know, I, I think I started to reflect a bit more on the environmental impact of cryptocurrencies, especially Bitcoin at first, because, you know, as we know, Bitcoin has just huge energy requirements and so on. Um, but, you know, th these were different worlds for me, right? On one side was my sustainability life. And, you know, I got into that professionally as well. And then the other side was this this more like crypto hobby, you know, still being interested in the ecosystems and so on. But, you know, Klima uh, really became the first time that I could I could combine these different worlds. I would mm. say, right? So um, I've been active in the DeFi space in terms of sustainability with another company as well for quite some time. And, uh, you know, the climate just accelerates this, right? It, it's it's really, uh, I think, kind of a, a groundbreaking approach to impact the climate positively by leveraging a lot of the tools that have been built uh, in the cryptocurrency space. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into that further with you all. But uh, I'll, I'll pause there and I'll let my other colleagues here introduce themselves as well oh maybe we can um i'm just interested so you were a dogecoin miner is that or or is that like yeah the first oh that's yeah, cool my my roommate and i at the time uh yeah i think we had a rig with like four different graphics cards or the r9 280x's i think back in the day um that's what basically heated my bedroom at the time it was, <laughs> it was i think we built it in like november and then as it got colder where I was living, you know, I, I didn't need to turn on the heat. I just had the miner there and eventually I had to like vent out the hot air as well. So uh, definitely <laughs> wow. not great for the environment, I suppose. Did you hold on to any? Uh, you know what? I actually, what we ended up doing is we were in one of those pools where, you know, you could simply 
uh, mine whatever script-based currency at the time had the highest reward, yeah. and then it would just auto-convert to Bitcoin. So oh, okay. that's sort of the, the route we took. Oh, very cool. We'll kind of move it on over to, say, Archimedes. Can you give us your um, background into crypto and, and just fascination with carbon markets in general? How did that kind of come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, my background also started in mining. <laughs> well, actually, well, maybe not. Uh, it started in piracy. Um, I needed to buy software to pirate some at something. I think it was software that I was doing for engineering. And uh, I ended up filling around Bitcoin. So if you look at my early Bitcoin purchases, um, I would have been a millionaire had I not used it. Um, so that's a really harsh a piece of pieces of software. But anyway, later, as I because I used Bitcoin for years, but after that, I was like, oh, maybe I should like get into mining. And so it was about 2017 where I finally pulled the trigger with my colleague, uh, where I was working at the time, and we built like two massive machines, six cards a piece for mining ETH. And we, yeah, we then we ran that for three years. It was pretty awesome. Um, I also have another painful lesson on that one <laughs> that people you, have been laughing at you me for. You sold the ETH. Yeah, yeah. We sold the ETH like a long time ago. But we also mined uh, Loki at one point. You can see my like uh, hilarious tribulations in Off Topic and Olympus where uh, I found the wallet, but I don't know the password to it. And I'm pretty sure it has oh, no. like 20 grand on it. Oh no! <laughs> like for, and it goes up in price every year, so that that wallet becomes more expensive every year. Uh, we mind that for a bit. We mind a lot of things, but yeah. So I mean, my background is actually engineering, um, environmental engineer, electrical engineer are my two degrees. I've worked in the space for, for years, and then I got into crypto. Like in the same year that I was, you know, kind of opening mining, I was looking at work in the space, like a side job. I was like, oh, like maybe I'll like dip my toes into this, and, like try and you know, write something, like contribute to the space. Um, and then I started working at various startups. I built all sorts of crazy things um, for the next four years. And then I ended up, you know, just, just building all sorts of, all the way through the ICO craze to like the DeFi craze. And now we're kind of in the NFT craze. Um, it's, it's all stuff. And I've contributed on all sorts of different things under like my real name, my, my pseudonymous name, you know, Web3 in general. Like I added a lot of stuff. Um, Sometimes it's just for fun, like just like for, for laughs. Uh, other times it's, you know, just for, for trying to make a quick buck here and there. Um, but largely like what I became over the years is a solidity engineer, like full stack building things here and there. Um, I'm really good at like, I guess, looking at a system and then thinking about how to apply it somewhere else, which is pretty much exactly what we did with Olympus. I looked at it, I was like, wait, this would make a lot of sense in the carbon markets. Um, and it was, and that's something that I've always been kind of working on, like, you know, much like Dionysus, like I've been working on various carbon related projects over the years, trying to build various things, um, to, to varying success. Like some, some things were been, were, were pretty, pretty good. Others less so. Um, but I think, yeah, like very much in the same vein, like Klimada was the first one where I've been able to combine everything. Like it's, it's really cool. It's a project that captures interest on a number of levels for me. Um, and really is just something that has serious legs. Like we looked at it and we we're like, we didn't think the LBP is a good example of like how much we underestimate what we think of it. We always talk about like the worst case scenario in our team meetings, like what's going to happen. But like, I think very, very often we don't look at the the best case, and and you know we're we're super stoked that it's that it's going to start, and Olympus's support and everything has been awesome. Uh, like there, it's one of the greatest DeFi token communities I've ever been a part of, uh, and I, and I say that like truly, sincerely. Like there is so much, so many nice people in there, even though it's like laughs and like shit posting sometimes, like. It's awesome. Like I love getting up in the morning and like checking the messages in in, in the Olympus Discord because it's just like there's always something cool in there. Like you know somebody's laughing at somebody else or like somebody's working on something cool. Like we saw Incum Finance get get deployed out of there, Temple DAO, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, yeah. It's awesome. It's Very awesome. Cool. I mean, I'll, I'll pause there because I can. Oh, I can maybe talk there, obviously. <laughs> maybe you can just uh, let us know how how you found Olympus. Uh, what was the sort of genesis story there? Oh, uh, good question. Someone posted a screenshot on Twitter 
with a six-figure APY, and I was like, "What is this scam?" Because uh, I'm always I'm always down to clown with, with DeFi, like you know, see see really funny things. Um, and I, I was like, "Okay, cool. What is this?" And then I dug into it. I was like, "Whoa, this makes a lot of sense." Um, so it was it was cool. It was I think that like that's probably like super early. Like I think that the APY at that point was like 120 thousand percent or something. Um, and I just watched it. And I was like. I think by the time I actually bought though, I bought all of it like when it was a thousand dollars. So I'm, uh, I'm I'm in the green now. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> would have taken some time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, took, took some time. Yeah, uh, but it's it's yeah. I think more than anything, that community is what gives it value. Yeah, very cool. Um, Oxlos, maybe you can tell us a bit about your background as well. Is that yeah? Sure. I mean, I'm I'm amazed. I, I learned a lot of stuff about like you, the other two guys already in, in in the last ten minutes. I didn't actually know Dionysus that you that you have this like mining history. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. I'm I, I feel like a boomer here. Um, I got into crypto in 2017. Um, so I didn't mine my my well. I I, I thought I was smart and like put some you know put some bitcoin into one of these genesis mining companies or like you know these like fraudulent companies in uh, back in the day so that was my my mining experience but um yeah i mean my background before that is actually so i'm also an engineer um an energy engineer and i've been like yeah focused on on energy markets and when i discovered bitcoin and then you know the technology that underpins it blockchains i was like oh wow like for for energy markets this makes a lot of sense and i kind of specialized on the like p2p energy trading use case that was super prominent back in the day and uh you know wrote some code and like designing a p2p energy um market system where you know different Households could trade energy with each other without going through an intermediary. So that was kind of my. That, that's when I got my fingers really like on my hands dirty and um, basically never like never looked back since then. Um, so and, were you involved in um, like any? Uh, you said you bought some Bitcoin and put it in a, like pool. Is yeah. that? No, you, I don't know. You remember like these. Uh, I bought some Bitcoin. I think is this it was an ICO, to... maybe. Is no, it... Yeah, it was this like I think it was called Genesis Mining, and it was like hash some some other way. You would basically you would kind of purchase a portion of like a centralized mining facility, and then they're promising you to pay out for the next year. And if you do the math, it all looks good, but then you forget that it's actually you know the market breaks down at some point, and then. They they basically closed down and they didn't pay out anymore. So oh. um, that's been my that's <laughs> a, been my learning. A hard lesson to learn. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, honestly, like I see this as, I mean, this has been the most. This has been the time of my life where I think I've learned the most in the like shortest amount of time. Right, I've just been a sponge, like absorbing information and reading and like aping into stupid things. And um, I mean as I said, like I'm an engineer and I like, I had to learn all these like financial things, um, <laughs> like, you know, getting into crypto. Um, so I, I think I was pretty naive when I, when, when I started off and just, I guess learning, but learning by failing, but, um, it was, um, yeah, it was, I don't regret like a single, I mean, of course there are some transactions that I regret, but you know, like all in all, if I look back on it, I'm super happy how it all went out. The trials and, tribulations of mining it seems, seems yeah like we've had have some very broad mining stories um yeah i i wanted i wanted to i wanted to like touch on kind of the energy consumption argument around like some of the blockchains like bitcoin for example do you do you guys have an opinion on that or or do you do you think that's sustainable i definitely have an opinion on it um so it, that was one of the reasons that i um like I was pushing, I was kind of diversifying into other assets that were not proof of work based, which financially was stupid. But um, I kind of 
yeah, I've been always trying to to keep away from from proof of work um, because of that argument. I mean, also, I think a lot comes down to your friends that you hang out with and kind of like you know when you when you work in crypto, but they also know that you know you're an environmentalist or somebody who you know has always been working on like the on like climate change topics. Like you always are confronted with like with the same question and like blockchain is so energy intensive, etc. I mean, I would say I'm I, I'm of this I'm of the belief that yes, if we can move to proof of stake, um, great, let's do it. Um, I don't think Bitcoin's ever going to do it, and I think that's okay. Um, I think in a couple of years, Bitcoin mining will be completely green anyway, so it doesn't matter. That's kind of like I I don't I don't have like I'm not very uh, you know like. Bitcoin is amazing. Let's be real, and um, like it's it's brought us into this like yeah, it's it's been such a yeah, it's such an I don't know like I, I it's been such an important part of like it changed my life, right? So um, how could I be how could I be like um, yeah, like how could you have a negative view on it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Yeah, but it's it it's. Uh, the reason that I got into carbon markets basically was was yeah like kind of out of a frustration out of like uh, seeing energy not moving really quickly and that at, at the end of the day you know the energy transition at its core it's kind of a carbon transition kind of away from fossil fuels but the carbon markets that we have are just so broken and I figured wow like crypto has so many tools that we can use to actually create better carbon markets so this is kind of then what brought me into the journey of carbon and this is how i met archimedes and, and dionysus and then we got together and like put our heads together i've been working on different things uh at the time and just uh thought that it would be you know really smart to sit together every monday and uh talk about like how we could collaborate and that's actually how climata emerged when was that sort of when did that start i think that first I'd look this up. I actually was curious. Uh, cool. If you look at our old notes, it's our first ever meeting was in May. Or no, it was in, sorry, it was in March where we actually yeah. put together like a manifesto, like the one you see in the get book. And then after that, we started iterating like every few weeks, like thinking, okay, how do we, how does this work? And then I, that's also the same time that I was like, digging into olympus down i was like wait this could all work and then like you can even watch it you can read it in like the our old like call notes and stuff you can see like how the idea progressed it was super cool i did this i think yesterday the day before i was like digging through it i was like how did this all start but yeah that, that's basically where it all and then yeah because we've been cooking like I've, I've we've been cooking a DeFi idea for carbon for a long time but we never really figured out the mechanics of it but this this is painfully clear now I think it was quite interesting uh, as well, as you pointed out, Archimedes, that we started with the manifesto. There was really this draw to like uh, align at a very high level because, of course, Klima is comprised of uh, you know a few different groups, you know, teams, if you will, that were working together on other projects. Um, just so happens, you know, that everything kind of fit together quite well and, and complemented each other when it came to developing Klima. But I think you know, really having that vision in the very beginning on where we were going with this and what kind of impact we wanted to have has been super critical for us, you know, um, to cut, to kind of guide all these disparate groups together as we move forward. Very cool. Um, and Oxos, do you, when did you discover Olympus? Was it through like Archimedes or Dionysus or? Yeah, it was for Archimedes. He came, he came to one of the meetings and was like, guys, like, I think I don't know if you already like you already had like some scribbles down um or if it was the next meeting um but there was like a certain tone in his voice where you're like and then he explained it and to be honest like I don't think I really like got got it to be honest but I remember that night I I I said to my girlfriend cuz I've been working on like the idea of a carbon recurrency for like like the last 18 months basically and I told my girlfriend hey I think I think we've I've never been that close with like I think this might work. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, big shout out uh, to our communities for like bringing like bringing this into, into onto the table and um, 
then like all started digging into it and um trying to really you know trying to understand like how this really works and how this can how this can how can this be and then um yeah it kind of like made one click after another that's been super exciting i think it's, yeah. I think it's so interesting to hear like even during that inception time that like so you, you guys had like may not have understood something that well and there was kind of that like the power of you guys together really like brought the idea to life um i, I find that so interesting um with founding teams is everyone has their kind of skill that they really really um nail and it just like it takes a little it takes it a little bit of time for everyone else to like conceptualize and understand things before it's like the light bulb moment for everyone um and it's it's always interesting hearing those stories yeah i think there's been like multiple light bulb moments for like many people at different stages right like like there was not like a single kind of light bulb but they kind of all went off at different times but they all happened eventually yeah yeah very cool maybe uh someone can tell us whoever you guys think is best place um just at a high level uh explain claimer dow because um i think oh, most omis know that you guys are trying to solve uh, climate change but i think the i mean the mechanism is a little bit complicated as well um so maybe kind of how it all works would be good to know sure i can field this um, so basically, ClimaDAO is a organization that issues currency based on treasury assets, just like Olympus Dow does. The treasury asset we use is carbon tonnage, and carbon tonnage in the form of offsets. Uh, specifically, we're starting with voluntary carbon offsets, but basically we've built a system that can tokenize and bridge these across from the old world into the new world. And then use this as a uh, as a collateral for basically creating a carbon badge currency. Yeah, awesome. It, I'm I'm curious about the bridging from the kind of traditional world to the like blockchain. I'm curious whether that's something where you're relying on um, someone within your team to kind of bridge that relationship, or is it more so? Um, people coming to Klima over time once they realize the the power in it. Yeah, I mean the bridging process is there's actually so there's a few organizations that are have built different methods for this. Um, the one we've we've been channeling with, and Axelos knows more than I do about this because he he deals with them more than, than I have been, I have. The CO two can teams so they basically built a bridge based on a number of principles that we've discussed kind of at length with other entities so so let's back this up a little bit so in carbon markets there's only really one purpose of carbon markets um which is that you can purchase a ton of carbon from somebody else and then retire it and basically claim that carbon production for yourself so um if you're an airline or you're a big polluter like oil and gas company or you know you're a transportation company something you basically want to do this and and you will do so so this retirement basically signals and, and not only signals, but also shows that there's no way anyone else can have this certificate. So the, the best way I've described this to people who've never understood this is like if we all are sharing one $5 coupon, we can trade that coupon around, like pass it around. But the person who redeems the coupon ultimately gets the $5 off. And that person is the person who is retiring the offset. Um, and so we basically, the bridge that we're kind of putting together operates on this principle that you have to prevent double spending, right? So uh, basically what it requires is that you retire the offset in the legacy world before you bring it on chain. So you retire with a special hash, that hash goes into the retirement certificate, and then you can reissue it via an NFT. That NFT then gets further fractionalized and then deposited into the base carbon ton pool. Um, and this basically ensures that no one can double sell that ton. It's retired in the legacy world, reissued on chain, and then on chain is the new true market of where that ton exists. Um, this type of thinking um, is basically how some tons move between markets, like already today. But they do it with a spreadsheet and an email. And they say, we canceled them in this one, and we reissued them in this one. Um, so we're doing the same thing, except with way more sophisticated technology that doesn't let you double spend it. 
Yeah, um, sounds perfect for blockchain. Um, would yeah. you? Um, so, can you give us like some examples of what this is? Is it so? Maybe like um, I'm a farmer, and is it if I'm proposing to clear land and then I say no, actually I won't. I'll get. I'll not do it, and then I can get a kind of credit for that. Or is it more I've. I'll plant some trees in a kind of field that I used to use for some grazing and then I can sort of get that certified as a carbon credit. Yeah, there's a variety of different ways that these can be generated. Uh, A key point from the get-go is that, you know, there are two main markets, right? There's the compliance type markets uh, and that's where, you know, in different jurisdictions, there's regulation that requires companies to actually purchase you know, what they're called allowances for how much they're uh, emitting, and they can supplement that with carbon offsets in some ways. And, and there's different rules. Like, for instance, in Colombia, they have a carbon tax and, uh, you know, the companies that are emitting a lot, they can actually purchase offsets from domestic projects from within Colombia to to help offset their emissions. Um, and then you have the voluntary carbon market. And that's where, you know, no one's forcing these companies or individuals to offset their emissions, um, they're choosing to do so willingly. That's the, the name voluntary uh, carbon market. So the types of projects that produce offsets, you, know, you mentioned this, the soil carbon with the farmers, that could be one, uh, certainly. In fact, there's like a massive project in Kenya that was recently uh, completed where they, you know, they're protecting land and they're measuring the soil carbon as more vegetation grows and so on. It could also be things like a wind turbine installation, right? Where you're actually mitigating emissions from happening in the first place because, you know, by installing those wind turbines, you're displacing fossil fuels that, you know, might have been done uh, instead, right? Yeah. All right. Um, So maybe just, sorry, I know you uh, have a bit more, uh, but maybe if we can just stop there. So I set up a wind turbine um, and then maybe you can take us all the way through from me sort of setting up the wind turbine to how that gets to um, the Klima black hole. Certainly. So, um, well, first you need to have the land there. There's going to be a project developer. Um, They're going to put forward a plan and they're going to say, okay, you know, uh, over the 12-year lifetime of this wind farm, we anticipate that we would be mitigating, you know, let's say 100,000 tons of CO2 from entering the atmosphere. So what happens is that wind turbine farm gets built, and then you're going to have a third party. They're called a verification and validation body. They're going to go and they're actually going to check, you know, are the wind turbines producing as much electricity as the project developer says and so on. Um, you know, there's going to be someone that does the basically sets the the standardization that the project is, is applying for. Uh, and then once it's certified, there's going to be offsets that are produced. And, you know, frankly, this legacy carbon market's pretty old school. Uh, I think Archimedes pointed out, you know, he mentioned spreadsheets and stuff like this. There's old school databases then where, you know, these these credits are issued uh, to a holder. And, and you know, that, that project developer can then sell them. Uh, they might sell them directly to a company that wants to use them and then retire them and, and gain that, uh, you, know, you know, basically say, yes, we have offset our emissions by this much. Uh, or they might uh, trade them with a broker that wants to hold on to these or, you know, perhaps sell to multiple different companies that require emissions, uh, or, you know, uh, carbon offsets. Um, when that retirement happens, what we need to do uh, to get that on chain, and th- this would use infrastructure. So, such so is as- this from? So is this if the broker has them, um, and then he's just holding them, say he or she, obviously, um, but they they have them, and then they say, all right, well, I'm not actually going to sell these to anyone. I'm going to retire them, which means that they're 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 going to. I don't I don't understand how that part works. So. Sure. So, so they're only going to retire them on behalf of someone basically that's paying for those offsets, right? So say it's, it's you know, for instance, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola says we need to offset 100,000 tons of emissions. So they go on the market and they find one of these brokers or project developers and, you know, they ask them, you know, hey, what projects do you have? We need to offset, you know, X amount. Can you help us? And they'll say, sure. And, you know, this is the price. It's It's all on the voluntary carbon market. It's more or less uh, OTC transactions, though there are some exchanges as well. Um, 
you know, that, that are a bit more, let's say, transparent uh, and have more liquidity. But uh, essentially, yeah, the company buys those offsets then, and then they're retired on behalf of them, right? And then that's visible actually on a, on a public registry and, and a publicly visible ledger for the voluntary carbon market. But those aren't what's going on to um, Klimadel, are they? No. You, someone else will buy them and bring them on chain. Is that the next step? Right. So, so this is the key thing, of course. You don't want people to just bring uh, tons on chain that have already been retired on behalf of someone else, right? Yeah. So what's cool <laughs> that CO2kin has done is they basically uh, you know, said that um, you're going to be purchasing those offsets, but then before you do that, you're going to get a special hash, right? And you're going to give that hash to the company that's doing the retirement, and they have to include it in the certificate that's retired. That way, you know that what's being brought on chain is, you know, let's say something fresh. <laughs> it's not just some ton that was retired five years ago. Uh, it's something that's meant to be brought on chain, right? Mm. And then so, C2 system checks that. Sorry. So this is from the broker that this is like sort of un, unretired, sort of not say McDonald's who's wanting to get the. Um, carbon tonnage so um they they can offset something it's somebody who's getting them for the purposes of retiring them to bring them on chain exactly yeah so essentially the 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 use case of like having mcdonald's want to you know offset their emissions essentially you know the story ends at that point like where we basically enter in the story um for klima is that we say hey like we need an on-chain asset right so um, we we have been talking to multiple brokers, but also like we're trying to approach projects ideally directly um, and tell them, hey, look, like you can use this this bridge, this carbon bridge that is being built to bring your carbon off on chain, basically, right? And the retirement is just part of like the data model, as Dionysus said, right? So essentially, uh, the hash is is um, part of the NFT that is created, and then the, when the when the offset is being retired, it gets like a, a unique serial number and that serial number is then included into the NFT. So it's kind of like a two-way connection that has happened is that like you have the kind of unique identifier of the NFT, which is part of the retirement process, but the serial number of this retirement process is also part of the NFT. And then and that, is that something you guys are building or is that a separate sort of project doing the on bringing yeah, I mean, it it's on kind chain. of a sub, it's kind of I mean it's kind of a separate plot project that is building the infrastructure, but like uh, we've been working super closely with them. And then um, the people who actually bring this on chain, um, these are you know, the, what's what's cool about this bridge is that it's um, it's generalized, so anybody can use it basically. So um, if you or you know if you have carbon offsets, or if you know a broker or somebody else that has carbon offsets, like you can just like you can use it right so we the, the objective here was to avoid having something like a bottleneck for klima where we depend on like a single entity to um buy you know to buy the carbon offsets to produce them and like tokenize them and 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 do all of that so the idea here is that like anybody right anybody in the carbon market today can basically uh, bridge them over, provide liquidity to the to the BCT, which is the base carbon ton. It's like the index token that is being created uh, specifically for Klima. Um, so we, there's going to be a BCT USDC pool. And um, so anybody can provide liquidity to that pool or trade into that pool or out of the pool and um, and bond bond um, BCT or the LP tokens um, with KlimaDAO. Very cool. Um, so I just want to get uh, get it right that I understand Klima. Um, so we start with my wind turbine farm I had and then someone's come along and certified that I'm actually uh, am producing this amount of energy um, and then uh, they have a I get a certificate and then I say, well, I'll give this to a broker and then the broker has it and then the broker can come along and um, get that verified to go on chain through this um, other project. And then that project uh, sort of like makes an NFT for the tonnage that I've 
got from my wind turbine farm. And then they fractionalize that as a service for Klimadel into like a single ton. And that's a base carbon ton. Um, and then um, that there's um, Klima bonds Klima token in for uh, base carbon ton USDC pool tokens, which might be like a Uniswap pool. Um, and then you can come along and bond that and then you receive back Klima. Is that how it works? Am I on the right path? Yes. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay. That's so, accurate, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we touched on, you know, bridges and brokers, um, but I wanted to get a little bit deeper into people who certify um, the carbon credits. I'm aware of, you know, the verified carbon standard and the gold standard and what they have um, done for the voluntary industry. Um, but if you wanted to kind of give us a bit of background on how that came to be and how how does you know over time how how did they build up their um, reputation within the the voluntary markets? Yeah, I think let's start with the the most key principle I would say of these carbon offsetting projects, and that's that they're what's called additional, right? This this idea of additionality. What that essentially means is that the financing from selling these carbon offsets is what is necessary to actually make these projects financially feasible, right? And so, so recently, um, renewable energy projects are no longer being certified in developed countries, right? Uh, and this is simply because they are now cost competitive with fossil fuels, and you no longer need that additional finance that the carbon offsets bring to make those projects realized. Um, so th th that's the first key thing, right? Um, now, once they're able to go forward and they can be certified, you have to verify that emissions reductions are actually happening. And that's where you have these, you know, so-called VVBs. It's the verification and validation bodies. I'll give you a quick example with forestry projects. Every three to four years, there are groups that will go and they'll actually do plot sampling. And there are, you know, deep methodologies depending on, you know, where the project is in terms of climate. Um, et cetera, for people to go uh, measure trees, actually make sure that things are growing properly, that there haven't been any disturbances and so on. And increasingly remote sensing capabilities from satellite imagery and drones are being utilized to augment that data to give more up-to-date status reports on actually what's happening with the, the forests. So there's a lot of oversight now. Uh, technology is definitely empowering this. And I think it's a really exciting time to kind of link that data up, you know, potentially with, uh, you know, things happening on chain, for instance. Yeah, that is interesting. Do you, do you envision um, less kind of middlemen or steps to moving these um, credits on chain? Do you kind of envision this kind of en uh, intersection of automated processes to then make it like a lot easier to, to kind of retire these um, credits on chain in the example of Klima? Yes, please. You know, it it, it, it yeah. should happen, but it's tough. It's tough because you have a lot of checks and balances. You have different, you know, parties that are involved at different steps. Uh, and that way you don't have like, let's say one group developing the project, financing the project, verifying that it's happening and then issuing uh, credits, right? You have the standard bodies, you have the project developer, you have the verifiers, et cetera. So that kind of provides some security in terms of the... Um, you know, integrity of the projects, but absolutely technology is going to play a huge role in, in, in at least speeding up, you know, the verification and, and monitoring of these projects. Yeah. Uh, the, I guess the other question I have is, um, do do people also bond Klima uh, USDC or how is sort of liquidity for the Klima Ooh. token itself kind of? This is my, my favorite question. Mm, of the day, because mostly because it's very topical. We've been dealing with there's a policy channel in the Klima DAO that's evolved. Um, so we've been dealing with a couple of guys from the Olympus DAO policy team who've been helping us, and we've been trying to model like ideal figures, right? Because we we actually talked about this in the community call this morning. But um, yeah, so the initial bonds that we're going to issue are going to be two twofold. It's going to be the BCT. Uh, USTC bonds, so like the base carbon bonds against US dollars, and then BCT Klima bonds. So on the pairing in SushiSwap, uh, 
there's going to be USDC BCT and then there's going to be BCT Klima. Basically, the route to Klima from any token has to go through base carbon tons. So you basically have to purchase tonnage to get there because um, that's the liquidity you want to build against because the entire risk-free value of the treasury is built on tonnage accumulation rather than financial numbers accumulation. Even though they, like, they do have a dollar value, what it really comes down to is it's about um, storing as many tons as possible. So those are the two pairs we're going to launch with. There's going to be no naked BCT bonds to begin with, simply because we want to like really really build thick liquidity there um, on those two things. I mean, we talked about it for quite a bit. We might do BCT bonds later, um, just at, like right out of like this is, this is the problem I have discussed. We've discussed numerous times on various calls as well. Is we have this like time zero to time one problem, like basically the, the, the cold start, if you will, of, of the whole network that we're putting together. But after that, like time one to 30 is, is way easier because you know you've basically built all those initial setups. Um, then it, it's because like Olympus doesn't have this problem, right? They don't have to go and find die and like make it, you know, like they're not maker DAO. Whereas in our case, like we have to make this pool bootstrap it and then back it against and trade it against our own token yeah definitely the um Klima token is obviously had a successful launch um maybe we'll start there and um someone can tell us sort of there was a initial sort of uh discord offering which is people in the discord and they received an nft which is worth some amount of cleaner in future is that how it worked yeah exactly so this was kind of born out of the um you know of the va um chronology of how we wanted to create this fair launch so we we decided that you know th these early contributors in the community have been super helpful and like we've did two community calls a week and they also helped kind of shape you know shape the shape the protocol in a sense so um, and the idea of doing it with an NFT rather than kind of give them like tokens directly is that we knew we were going to do an LBP at a later point in time, but we needed to bootstrap. You know, you need some liquidity to start an LBP um, as well. So the idea was, um, you know, and we did, we want to prevent people from then selling into the LBP um, the tokens that they might have gotten in the Discord offering. So that's kind of how the NFT idea um emerged and I think it's actually it's really cool like I personally like I love the NFT and like uh, we've been working with Sven like on different occasions um, some people in the team so um, yeah I think this worked out really well both for the, the people in the community but also for us um, to make sure that we don't have like the possibility or we don't give people the possibility to kind of dump their uh, discord the initial discord tokens into the LBP. So yeah. So the First, LBB is uh liquidity bootstrapping pool and that's a kind exactly. of re reducing price auction is that like, Yeah, like it's a kind Dutch of auction. Like, yeah, it's, it's similar exactly. Yeah. So it's it's based on the on on balancer, right? So you have essentially a pool that changes in um where the the ratio changes. Oh, not the ratio, sorry, the the weights change over time. So basically making sure that you start with normally pretty high priced and you know and the weights change uh, over time which means that the, there's kind of constant downward price pressure and um as soon as the price so it starts with where, a lot of cleaner is that and then like 10 percent exactly you usdc exactly. and then slowly the pool you gets told oh you have to uh, hold more and more USDC, so the price of climate goes down over time. But that didn't quite happen, did it? <laughs> I mean, it happened in the beginning. So yes, we started with like ninety six percent Klima and four uh, percent USDC, right? And so um, that was kind of the initial weights. And then over time, we like we ended with like ninety percent um, USDC and ten percent Klima. So like kind of almost switched completely from one way to the other. Um, and, uh, and that was over price, a couple of days, was it? Or exactly, week? like yeah. 72, 72 hours uh, in total. So the start price was around $116. And then uh, we kind of saw it spike at the beginning 
all the way, I think, up to 240 or $250. And then kind of people started dumping. So, and then we saw kind of a price go down all the way to, I think, $60 around that price. And then it never, like, then it just went up. Like, basically, like, it, it went up from $60 almost constantly all the way to, like, 300 23, I think, is where we ended uh, the LVP. So um, it was it was a week where uh, we didn't sleep much, or I personally didn't sleep so much because <laughs> it was it was like the slowest movie to watch, but also the, still the most fascinating movie. So yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Um, what were you guys expecting? Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I can. We we modeled something way less. <laughs> so we modeled over three days. Uh, basically a six million raise, and that was like our best case scenario. Like we were like, yeah, like this is probably realistic given like a a, a significant demand. We tried to model it after our uh, IDO, like tried to figure out okay, how many people are here, like how many of them will actually buy something. Like you know, we, we had to really uh, think about it, and it was yeah, we we spent I don't know how many weeks like modeling it in, in different scenarios, and we were all arguing like who was correct. Because the only thing you can't model in that whole like there's a bunch of like LBP simulators out there that you can like use to to make this and so everyone like attempted one at least. Um, but the only thing you can't model is demand, right? Which is like the last piece of the whole puzzle, and uh, and that and that's exactly what we didn't see. Like we didn't think that it would be this successful. It was, I mean, we're super grateful and it's awesome and it gives us just way more power to to really deploy what we want to do. Because basically all of this is going to go to liquidity, right? So this just means a stronger market as soon as we launch it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was super, super, super unexpected. I, I We definitely didn't think it was going to go like the way it did. But the raise was three times your sort of best case scenario at like eight, yeah. 18 mil, was yeah. it? Yes. Wow, you must have been pretty happy. Yeah. <laughs> ecstatic. Yeah. Exciting time. <laughs> price price discovery party. Yeah, I mean that's what's the, that's the beauty of a, of an LDP, right? Is it's kind of it's yeah, a exactly. liquidity event uh and a like price discovery event in like one you know, and it's protect against bots and like I mean yeah, um and we launched on Balancer V2, which was also an awesome experience because like on V1 you still had to poke weights. To like make the the weights change so like horrible ux but like there it's just like so smooth the, the weights go down steadily and um yeah so um no Very i cool. think it's and a beautiful that, um and that lbp was um you were collaborating on the front end with um copper is that right yeah exactly yeah so um the alchemist team has always been like close um and so like copper was like the obvious the obvious choice i mean um they helped us a lot also and it was kind of useful to get you know their minds also on on our yeah we also checked our models with them and you know i remember them saying you know like the only thing that you the only thing that you can be sure about with an lvp is that it never runs the way you expect it to so um uh, this was probably like in hindsight the best advice of all times, but um, yeah, no. So um, I think I, I think it's a pretty pretty big improvement in terms of interface. So yeah, yeah, it's very uh, sleek design they've got on the front end, the Alchemist guys. Um, maybe for the Omis, um, they're trying to understand sort of all. Oh, okay, um, I know there's a lot of them who. Who are owners of the Klima? They're involved in either the IDO or the LBP. But in terms of uh, the Olympus DAO itself, um, can you tell us about what the relationship is there, um, and sort of uh, what Olympus's interest in Klima is um, moving forward? I know there's a P Klima, which is sort of this vesting token, which is owned by. So Olympus was allocated some of that in return for um, some advice and sort of community bootstrapping. Yeah, I mean, I can. This this is actually a really good 
way to circle back to the beginning of, of the of the podcast where we talked about um, like how did this all start, right? Like when we <laughs> when we were writing manifestos and, and trying to figure out what to work on. Shortly after I, I started digging into Olympus Dow, I was like, okay, like if we want to do this, we hundred percent need their help to like really think about how to do this properly. Um, like while we're all like carbon solidity experts and we know what we're doing on that side of things, like Olympus Down in its current form was still very new, right? Like it wasn't very understood or accepted or basically as the the new DeFi way of doing things. So we approached Apollo and Zeus and we're like, hey, like we really have this idea. We think it's going to work. Do you guys want to advise on us? And then uh, we'll go from there. And then that conversation led to, okay, well, what if you guys give us uh, give the Olympus Dow allocation uh, for the P climas and like how do we negotiate that deal? Because basically, like if, if we're being honest, like the majority of our initial people who were in our Discord were people who came from Olympus. Uh, they they did an announcement for us in their in their announcements channel, uh, which was <laughs> received mixed mixed results. Some people were like, oh yeah, other people were like, is this an endorsement on this fork? Uh, so, so you know, some people were crusty about it. Although I think it's safe to say we've been accepted into the Omi family. I think people have uh, come around. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was too new, too new, too much at the same time. Um, but yeah, like our our roots are truly founded in Olympus. Like we we use the same tech. We definitely you know bootstrapped ourselves with the community there. A lot of great people who work in both are helping us now. Uh, in the contr- contribution in our Discord um, and our DAO itself, so it's awesome to see. Like it's it's and you know our, I think and and this is also something we discussed too. Like once we have this whole thing up and running, Zeus and Apollo were kind of talking about how do we do joint bonds, like an Ohm Klima bond, essentially, where very cool. Ohm, Ohm users get exposure to carbon and carbon users get exposure to dye. Um, you know, and they're like all those sorts of things. And like, because we're deploying on Polygon, it offers them an opportunity to expand to another chain, you know, like all sorts of like other stuff um, that goes with it. And, and that was, you know, from, from day one, they were always pretty interested in what we were doing just because it was so different. Um, and and it, it's worked out so far. Like it's, yeah. Very like cool. Very cool. Yeah. Definitely, definitely working out. And on the, the Polygon um, deployment, what was the um, thought process behind deploying there at the time? And do you see Klima um, heading to other chains um, at some point in the future? Potentially. I mean, this is also, this comes down to relationships too, right? Like our, the reason we chose Polygon is a number of reasons. Number one, like I've written a lot of stuff for them in terms of like infrastructure and just generally uh, stuff. I deployed lots of dApps over there. So I know that that infrastructure, I know the team really well there. They're really nice people. Uh, fantastic, fantastic set, set of people. They're really dedicated to what they're doing. Um, and it's it's proven. Right? It's like something that's been around for a while now. People really have accepted it as like a, a way to do things. And Polygon itself is generally being uptaken by institutionals too, right? So you look at like Coinbase, like what layer two are they integrating? Polygon, they're not integrating anything else. A lot of exchanges now are doing the same thing. Big ones too, like there was OKX, I think did it in Asia. So like layer two adoption, while there's many layer twos, the only one that's really seeing like institutional adoption is Polygon. So there's, there's like a big incentive for us there because carbon markets are largely an institutional instrument the way it's set up mm-hmm. now. So you have yeah. to approach it in such a way that you can, like Ernst and Young, basically they, they announced like two weeks ago that they're going to be using Polygon. So like getting on that, like there's all sorts of stuff, but yeah, like you, we need to have this interface to, to institutions to be able to do so. And also like Polygon allows you to do really interesting things because of the way of cost reduction in terms of gas, you can do things like gasless, like gasless bonds, gasless staking. So basically onboarding users who have otherwise never understood anything about crypto you can just abstract that complexity away from them and be like just buy this token and stake it using this button and don't think twice about it um and that's kind of like the huge appeal is there's lots of room for that and those types of developments that otherwise aren't possible on layer one like gasless on layer one exists sure under gsn and by economy but it's just prohibitively expensive to run you're gonna spend thousands of dollars a week 
just just having people interact and trade with what you're doing. Whereas here, like it's it's really cool. Like you can you can do really really sophisticated things, um, and and like betting on that. Like when we made that bet early on, like we were all kind of do we do this? And also like Polygon too. Like they they were uh, early backer of what we were doing too. So like they're helping us with marketing, that sort of stuff. So like much like Olympus, like they helped us bootstrap quite a bit on on the other side of the things too. But um, if you look if you look at that bet we made and like is is Polygon really gonna move it forward? And it 100 is. Like we we've seen just just in like raw adoption on various institutional levels that's been super helpful. Um, so we're we're stoked. I think that's probably the biggest decision, and like it reduces a lot of the complex parts around crypto for new people. And and this comes back to like if you look at how how our uh, our Discord has evolved in the last like week and a half we've gone we've i've seen people who have otherwise never interacted with crypto but love the environment jump all over DeFi and like yeah. participate in the copper launch which is like a sophisticated instrument to begin with like it's a hard thing to understand even for uh DeFi people uh but i saw lots of it like people just like oh like this is cool i i don't know anything about this but i heard about this from somebody somebody and then they come in like we have people from all sorts of organizations like extinction rebellion there was somebody who was saying there like there's people who you'd never think involved in crypto and DeFi are suddenly like in our discord talking about yeah, they they'd be lurking um they'd be lurking but i i love that first principle thinking um on on going to polygon because yeah you know, for your regular DeFi user um ethereum's not viable at the moment and it and you know from what i've understood in this conversation today Claim is really trying to um, democratize kind of like people's exposure um, to the carbon markets as well on top of um, bridging these and retiring them on chain. So, yeah, I think that decision is is awesome. I I think it's a really good first step forward. Yeah, and it uh, allows uh, smaller players to kind of get into bonding um, because on Ethereum, the gas price sort of... uh, excludes like a lot of smaller players from even participating in that process. So yeah, sounds very cool. Uh, also, uh, just so we don't get in trouble, uh, we know that Polygon is not a, uh, a true L2. Uh, I think their founders call it a scaling solution. Um, but yeah, very close yeah, relationship with, um, with Ethereum and they like flat, checkpoint on ethereum every so often but it's uh sort of less a little less secure you wouldn't want the sort of uh global financial system settling on there but yeah very useful in terms of uh getting that early access to speed and um cheap transactions before we kind of you know wrap everything up i want i kind of want um each of your opinions on which um industry is is most likely to use um Klima. and do you also see you know Klima moving into the compliance market or is there a few things stopping Klima from ever being involved in the compliance market because from my understanding the compliance market is um policy kind of dependent on each country's certain take on it is that correct yeah i mean I'm happy so because I realized now that we get to the end of it that we kind of stopped, you know, at like a tech, like very much like the technical side, or you know, and like all the way to to Klima, but we didn't really talk about the effects that Klima can have on on yeah. you know the, the rest of the world, which is actually why we all started this. So and this so in terms of industry, right? Like the, the whole point here for us is to essentially squeeze the available supply of carbon. And like lock it up in, into our treasury um, to drive the price of carbon up, right? So why do we want to yeah. drive the price of carbon up? It's because, well, um, it's for a couple of reasons. The first one is that like if the price of carbon is high, it means that it's more expensive for polluters to just wash their hands clean, and uh, it drives them to actually reducing their emissions rather than just compensating their emissions. So this is obviously for a pretty big win already because we need to decarbonize second obviously a high carbon price means that it's like it becomes financially viable to do more more complex or more expensive types of car like climate mitigation 
or even you know carbon removal and, and all of these activities. The same way that we saw, you know, fracking and all of these things come online when uh, the price of oil like went higher. So you know, same thing is going to happen with carbon if the price of carbon is higher. And 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 ultimately, like if you, like the carbon market is currently growing like at like fifty percent a year or something. So it's I think one of the best performing commodities. Uh, even in, in in like this crisis, and even the voluntary carbon market, right, which is a, you know, which you can think that in a recession it would see companies like it's like the first thing that they would cut, but this is actually quite the contrary that we've seen. Twenty uh, twenty has been one of the most um, one of the strongest years for carbon markets. So, giving the you know regular user exposure to this carbon market and democratizing access to it, I think is isn't another super powerful. Um, is another super powerful thing, and um, yeah, and just being like an uncorrated asset in DeFi also that is backed by by something that you know is is not ETH or is something else like um, in itself has has value for for yeah. crypto obviously. So so my main two takeaways from this seem to be the democratizing access for users, and then also you know by creating the sync, you drive up the um, price of carbon and therefore the the offsets, and that essentially forces um, companies and um, producers and institutions to reevaluate policy because it's too expensive to purchase those credits. Is that yeah, yeah, like a price exactly. floor like, on carbon for this particular type of certified carbon? Is that right? Yeah, we're kind of like we're active, actively moving it up, right? It's almost like game stopping the carbon market because, and this is where Kima really differs from Olympus is that like our treasury asset is, is you know, can actually increase the value, right? So it's uh, appreciating if you want over time. And if you look at the, you know, carbon is just constantly being more expensive. And if you look at like what experts say, you know, I think we're going to see the price of carbon going a lot higher in the future. So um the, the and and I'm really I'm really curious to see what this is going to make with a protocol like you know Olympus or like the Olympus mechanics if the the asset in the treasury actually increases in value as well so you kind of have this positive feedback loop which is the more people you know put carbon into our treasury uh, the less there's on the market so the higher the, the price on the market which means that the intrinsic value of our treasury actually grows also which means that the price of Klima could potentially be um, higher, so you know, like there's this uh, this this positive feedback loop there. So, um, so yeah, so I'm really you, excited to, to yeah. see that. Um, are you guys worried about? Um, well, obviously, you just said that people are keeping their sort of voluntary commitments. These companies, even in the sort of COVID crisis, is that um, is that sort of why do you think that is? Um, if they don't have yeah, to I think do Dionysus it. <laughs> can yeah i mean it's just like yeah, I think it's, uh, like the short answer is consumer pressure but i think Dionysus has a better more detailed answer to that question yeah i mean it, the, the consumer pressure part is certainly a big part of it i think the, the people's consciousness of of climate change is just greater right now there, there's more awareness and everything so we're holding companies accountable um but beyond that companies themselves realize that it is in their long-term interests to be doing things to, uh, let's say, rectify their emissions and, and fight against climate change. And what I mean by that is, um, look at the money flows from the world's largest asset managers. Everybody's talking about net zero. People are realizing that if we don't get our you know shit together, frankly, in this climate crisis, uh, the, the entire economy is going to suffer. There's gonna be massive consequences to supply chains, to uh, global agriculture, and you know, that's going to have you know, reverberating effects through society that are very negative to doing business, right? And so when you look at you know BlackRock basically saying, we are going to uh, be looking at our investments uh, and grading you on how you're re uh, you know, basically changing your business in, in terms of how you're impacting the climate and everything, uh, that's all you need to say. I mean, it's a reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 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 a reality. And by supporting carbon offset projects, you're doing a lot in the fight against climate change. I mean, you're deploying capital 
to mitigate emissions or to remove carbon from the atmosphere. You're supporting sustainability projects. So, you know, companies realize that, look, it's a cost. We have to do it and it's in our best interest long term. Yeah, perfect. And this is such an awesome coordination mechanism to allow you to do that. Um, very tree tree. Woof, woof. <laughs> um, yeah, so if people, obviously you guys want to get uh, people involved, you're growing, you've got uh, need contributors. Um, do you, how should people who want to get involved sort of approach that? Do they just turn up to the Discord? Yeah. Discord is the greatest place. I mean, follow us on Twitter, obviously, but Discord is where things happen in real time. Like it, it evolves so fast. Like the other day, I walked in on an art studio being developed. Uh, they were like doing twelve iterations of the logo and trying <laughs> trying different things, fonts, colors. It was fantastic. So yeah, Discord is is definitely where where it's at. Very cool. I have the hive mind coming together. Are there any uh, specific roles? Um, that you're kind of looking for or just anyone with talent come your way? Anyone. I mean, it, this is for everyone, right? Like this is this is truly one of those projects where like the appeal is not just for a subset of people. I mean, DeFi natives for sure, like people will get it very quickly, but um, everybody else that has like an interest to like, oh, I can finally do something with my wallet um, and, and actually contribute to a meaningful cause. At the same time, like, uh, you know, perhaps make a profitable choice on, on the environment. It's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's anyone, anyone, anyone like specifically right now, our biggest ask is obviously people who have tonnage, like sitting in VCUs and from Vero on the sidelines that they don't want to sell and they want to tokenize. That's our biggest one. But aside from that, like it's really just going to be with building the right teams within the community. Like, yeah very cool um and klima sorry just before we leave that's a german word is it i believe greek. it's greek as well oh greek. but yeah okay. it's german for climate okay cool very cool. yeah but we actually i mean it was you know kind of that makes more olympus. sense <laughs> yeah the olympus uh meme i would say and then we said okay what's the Olymp what's, what's the greek word for climate actually but yeah it's also the german word very cool um, okay, so we'll put the sort of links to the Discord and the Twitter in our show notes. And uh, yeah, you guys on Twitter yourselves, do you want to shout out your uh, handles? Yeah, follow me. I got to get as many followers as Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually 10, created mine. <laughs> I've created mine uh, for my Anon account um, a couple of days ago. So I, it's, I think, Oxylos with an underscore at the end. I think I have like five followers for now. Okay. So. You You're know, about to have numbers. six. We're going to get those <laughs> yeah. numbers up. We're going to get those numbers up. Uh, sorry, Archimedes, what was your handle? Oh, uh, it's something weird. Oh, okay. I think, it's it's I think Archimedes <laughs> crypto or something. Yeah. Yeah, Crypt One. All right. My, my true roots. We'll find it true. and put it in the show notes. Yeah. And Dionysus. Stay in Anon on Twitter for now. <laughs> Maybe awesome. that'll change in the future. We'll see. Very cool. Um, well, guys, it's been so lovely to have you come on the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time out. I'm sure the Omis will love to hear more about Klima and hopefully um, we've sort of broken it down so they can understand all the mechanics of it. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. That was super fun. All right. Thanks, guys. See ya. Hey, thanks, Omis.